20 Schemes is the church planting ministry of Nidri Community Church in Edinburgh, Scotland and Redeemer Fellowship Church in Bardstown, Kentucky. I'm Mez McConnell and this is the 20 Schemes podcast. So, we're here today with a couple of women. Do you like to be called women or do you like to be called ladies? I'm not fast. What do you like to be called, Shannon? I'm not fast. We're here with a couple of ladies from uh, the church. So we're going to do a podcast on... uh, on your book for our upcoming, well, not upcoming anymore. It's um, the 20 Schemes <laughs> Equip site, whatever it's called. It's called 20 Schemes Equipping It. Your book's called Unforgettable, isn't it? Out now. Oh, it's called Unexceptional. Uh, tell everybody it is what... unforgettable, though. Well, I know you named it after your last appraisal from the church. <laughs> Um, so, which I was particularly proud of, and I appreciate you doing that. It is true. You gave me like ones and minus tens. So, just to introduce people, um, Sharon, what do you do? Because I've always wanted to know that. The bit here. <laughs> just imagine twenty schemes without me. I should tell you what I do. Go on. <laughs> uh, director of women's ministries. And uh, what do you do? <laughs> Who are you, and what do you do? Hi, I'm number two. Um, I am Miriam and I'm basically Mez's carer full time and I do some women's ministry. Oh, 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 oh. yes, Miriam. <laughs> Miriam's gone in from the off. Does that mean I can do anything I want now? <laughs> Thank you. Miriam has been married to me for 21 years. Correct. I mean, how delightful have those years been? They've been unexceptional. <laughs> <laughs> so I read a chapter of your book. You, read a cha- you wrote a chapter of this about being a pastor's planter's wife or whatever. I did. I've seen nothing in here about obedience. I don't, it didn't enter into the storyline. Let, well, let me finish the line. sentence for you. It didn't enter into your mind, <laughs> nor has it over two decades that we've been together. But we'll come to that later about submission and headship and all those nice yeah, issues. Undoubtedly. There's a really important question I want to get off kick off with though is and i'll ask it for miriam do you think people who dress their dogs up in funny outfits have got mental health issues i think it's questionable yeah yeah what do you think sharon <laughs> i've never dressed my dog up in funny yeah, i've outfits. seen him in a little outfit walking down the road what's that little thing he has on he has a coat what a coat a dog with a coat john come on john that is over the edge isn't it a dog with I a wee jacket don't like wet dog smell and also, your dog, is it true your dog is allergic <laughs> to grass? Yep. The air? Yep. Uh, the floor? Yep. Do you, is it true that your dog eats specially prepared gluten-free <laughs> meals? And that's not even a joke, is it? Does it eat gluten-free The dog is a meals. vegan, isn't it? You've got a vegan dog, haven't you? Eats chicken. I bet he chicken does. Doesn't rice. he have some sort of stomach issue that he's not yeah, allowed? Yeah, he does. He can't it's eat. like a human version of you, a dog version of you. Yeah. Small. And very cute. <laughs> well, I was thinking, Am like, I right, Miriam. You're correct. Right. Well, I know Notice how Miriam's defensive posture. Sharon's the aggressor, sat forward, <laughs> waiting to kick I'm off. I'm just trying to be comfortable. So in anyway, a very uncomfortable chair. They said to me to, for some reason, must be my sparkling wit and personality to oh, do to this be... sort of interview on your new book, ordinary women doing extraordinary things through God except obeying their men. I added that last <laughs> bit in brackets, because I think you left that off. Anyway, tell us a little bit about the book, Shabs, Now it came about. So it came about through one of Miriam's sessions. So we were doing this um, session last year. I actually can't remember what the title was. 
church plant as well. Hang on, all you can hear now is my crunching, can't you? So we were doing this, it was church planter's wife session, and um, Miriam had done it from a, actually quite testimony point of view for about the first 30 minutes. And while Did she I, cry? She didn't cry. She's a bit of a cry though, isn't she? And she leaves the crying up to you. Yeah. So when she gets all emotional and the lip goes, that's it. It's over. Right, her it? lip never went. She okay. was hardcore. Um, but like I was listening to Miriam's thing, thinking actually this is really helpful and we should do it on a bigger scale. And so the idea was um, to basically imagine that whoever was reading it was just having a cup of tea with seven women who happened to have some experience about women's ministry. And so let me just look at the title. So you've got, you don't have to be perfect to serve. Yep. By you, planter's wife, Miriam, indigenous converts, pathway to service. That's a mouthful, Fontaine Selway. Curveball from the Lord, Stephanie uh, how do you say her last name? Laferriere. Yeah, Laferriere. I think so. She's a space cadet Steffi, from, um, from Baltimore. From Baltimore. Then there's uh, Joyce Mayers. Is there? <laughs> there's always time to serve. What's her name? Jessica. Jess. Jessica. Jess. Jess Mayer. Where is she from? Um, Roanoke. Mercy Ministry as an outreach. Mandy McNutt. Yeah, she's very sweet. Tell me she's Scottish. No, she's from Texas. McNutt. No one else is coming. Rachel Williamson. When it doesn't go to plan by Carabelle, and then persevere to the end. Sharon Dickens, anybody you know persevere to the end of the book? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely know you. It is actually a really good book, all joking aside. And that chapters are really quite helpful. And it's, I think it's good that different people have put different um, aspects in. So, Miriam, what's your favourite chapter? Mine, obviously. What's your least favourite chapter? Um, uh, there's not a least favourite No, you've got to pick one. You've got to rank. <laughs> Persevering, because it sucks, doesn't it? Persevering. Shabba, what's your favourite chapter? Um, all of them. No, no, no. What's no, your favourite one? I don't one? want to put a... Um, I would probably have to go... Uh, I think Jess's chapter's probably my... That Joyce Meyer, yeah? Jess is, is my one of my favourites, because everybody else is either... A, planter pastor's wife or um, a full-time worker but actually she's just a, a church member trying to do there's three of them trying to do a, a, like a good job in their church while going to school and working and everything mm -hmm. else so the, every chapter's really great but her like Jess was just basically the average church member who's the worst writer there were some that were harder to edit than others um. and it wasn't mine wasn't yours? So you can imagine. Wow. <laughs> wow. Miriam, yours must have been rough. Too. It was terrible. <laughs> so it's out now, it isn't it? It's out now. You can buy it, it at ten of, ten of those dot com. Yeah, you get it cheaper if you buy it in bulk. That's get, a good advert. Get some Christmas presents in. Get some Christmas presents in for any unexceptional women in your life. <laughs> <laughs> this will cheer, cheer them up in no end. Okay, so. I I, can I just say about the title? Because we get pushback on that. Pushback from whom? Like. Mostly people who think that what we should be doing is bigging up women and saying how amazing they are and it should be that she's exceptional. Yeah. But actually the whole point is that we're just normal women. Yeah. That you didn't have to be some sort of super like hero, Mary Poppins. Well, I think, I think normal women are exceptional. So actually, yeah, I, I think it's an outrageous title. It is an outrageous title. So let's talk about some other things. 
Uh, I'd like to stick with the book, thanks. Well, is there anything you'd like to say about the book that I've not asked you about? Not particularly. Right, we so could go through each chapter and what the point is. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't want to do the next bit because you're going to go random on us. I'm not. I'm just, I'd like to ask some questions because, uh, as you know, I'm obviously a woman hater. Miriam can testify to that for 21 years of marriage. Um, just pick on a few topics of women's ministry and women teaching and stuff like that. But the first question is this. Do you think it's biblical for a woman to dye her hair? <laughs> yes. I don't have an issue with it. But no, I've been obviously, in some places. Oh, it's quite apparent, isn't it? You don't have an issue with it. <laughs> I've been some places where it's a big issue. Yeah. I mean, we went somewhere where a guy wouldn't get married because his potential wife wanted to dye, his, dye her hair. Yes. Where was that? Um, no, but I remember that. And it's because she wanted to go blue and not red. It was American. I can't remember. It was some sort of American. I think they lived in caves. It's a cultural caves. thing. They were living in caves waiting for the end of the world, weren't they? I think it was a cultural thing. Um, okay. So you've been involved in ministry with the church, 20 schemes, etc. For 10 years or more? 11 years? About 11, yeah. And how have you seen... How have you seen... How was, what, how was minist women's ministry... What did it look like over a decade ago? And what's some of the changes that you've seen? Not um, just in this church. Or but in general. Just both in the church and in the general okay. evangelical scene. Um, well, we're having a discussion, which is helpful. I don't think they were really talking about it 10 years ago. And well, they were, but it only took, well, it's the same conversation. I think that when we first started, it was difficult when you first employed me, I went out to try and find women that were p working in churches and I could only find one um, in, like, in our demographic and so like, she, I mean it wasn't what she was doing was bad because it was good but I mean it was just pastoral visiting, there wasn't anything else, there was no, um, it was just visiting old people which is a good thing whereas um, now when you have a conversation about um, women's ministry, even in like just Edinburgh alone, I mean, f if you were looking, you would find more than one woman for a start. Um, so there's a lot of churches that are actually um, thinking it through and are employing women just to do this. So I think that's encouraging. What does um, women's ministry look like day to day in Nidri Church? Um, I think in Nidri, it looks more like it's, it's like, it's like discipleship, like whether they're, um, it's that walking through life relationship that um, has has intent. So it's not just meandering with no thought and throwing in like some occasional unhelpful like comment, but actually in Nidri it's, it's very relationship based, it's, it's very, so there is events, which is weird because when people look at us, we would say that we weren't event, we're not events driven. Um, which is different from a lot of the women's ministry that we find where, when we travel. So they do women's ministry, but it's events driven. Come to our Bible study, mm -hmm. come to our weekend, come to like our craft night. And it's not that we don't do all those things, but it's not the foundation of our women's ministry. It's part of. And so the foundation of our women's ministry it tends to be relationship and one-to-one -one based. And so it changes the dynamic of the events because then there's a relationship that's there that's pre-existent that then you take that into the event. It's not the event that is the ministry. And so for Nidri, I would say that the, primarily it's this discipleship model, Titus 2 in action, getting alongside and doing life with people. And so Miriam, when we first met many years ago, 
I mean, you wouldn't even pray, would you? No. The table. You had some very clear definitions on the role of men and women, didn't you? Mm -hmm. And I was the feminist, mm -hmm. and you were the I'm not going to do anythingist, as you call them. <laughs> so how's things? Ch how's how's your thinking developed over the years? Because it has, right? Yeah, I think. Um, well, that how have I enabled you to flourish? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm getting in trouble when I go. I think. <laughs> I'm just trying to think. Um, so a lot of those thoughts I had all those years ago was just what I had seen modelled in the church that I was in. So there wasn't um, very much discipleship or encouraging women to be more proactive in their in their faith. Um, so my I just thought that's just how it was. That's just women just don't do that. They make the tea, they teach in Sunday school, they maybe visit old people, and that was it. But we're not decrying these no, things. No, I'm not. Right? No, 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 no. But that, in my view then, whether that was right or wrong, it was probably wrong, my perception of the church. But um, that's what I saw happening. And so I suppose then as you grow, as you get exposed to different things, then your, your thinking changes, doesn't it? As you experience other churches, as you read stuff, as you encounter different women, um, as you grow spiritually, all these things impact. So what thinking. roles are close to women then? In my opinion, mm. preaching. That's it. Being an elder which we would say the two go hand in hand, right? Shabba, any more, I would, so me, me and Miriam disagree on this because I would go elder, elder pastor and then I would also have deacons. I, I don't think so that you women would, should Your be. position would be church officers? Yeah, whereas... It should be the position of Nidri Church. Yeah, but we don't agree on that. Um, which is fine. Which is fine. We're okay with that. In fact, when we, we have a session in our women's ministry stuff that our training it talks about women in leadership and part of the reason that we have it is we say this is what our position of the church is but actually there are other people particularly from our context that would feel differently and actually I think that because we do have different views it's really helpful that we agree on all the fundamentals but actually in this one thing we mm -hmm. disagree. Should only men teach women how to read and understand the Bible? No. Why not? Well, one... If teaching, if you just said teaching is male... No, I said preaching. So preaching and teaching is different to you? Correct. So you think women can teach in the church? To women. No. Not to a mixed setting. Shabba? I would agree with Miriam. Would you? Yeah. So there's no mixed setting at all in any context that a woman could teach in the local church? No, in the local, I don't think so. So it depends on what, like, so you would have me speaking about women's ministry to yeah. a mixed, con like, a mixed yeah. audience. Yeah. Um, and it's, there's no, I'm not expounding the, the scriptures, um, I'm talking about a particular ministry. But even then, there's always a, an elder, it's either you or Andy or, or Matthew, that gets up and does this little five minute beforehand so that everybody has a clear understanding of, of where we stand. Do you not find that oppressive? 
I don't find it oppressive. You find it annoying, no? It's only because they do it every single time. And I understand why they do it every single time. It's just frustrating that they have to, that you have to have a, a, a caveat before you're allowed to, to speak. The problem is we're interna I understand. international ministry now. Yeah. I sent you the thing about uh, John Piper article. Yeah. Uh, which uh, you might want to put on a link, John, at the bottom of this, where and one of his points was, I know you said you struggled with some of it, one of his points, I'm not saying I agree with it, one of the points, it, wasn't, it was, it was a lady, a lady it? wrote it, but I'm not, again, I'm not saying I agree with it. And one of the points she made, which I thought was interesting, was that she sees no problem of a woman teaching to a mixed setting in a conference. Yeah. Because men are free to vote with their feet. It's not the local church. It's, a, it's something that's paid yeah. uh, out of people's free time. I thought that was interesting, actually. I'm not, I'm not sure what, I, I'm not giving it great depth of thought. Yeah, but I, thought. I would feel uncomfortable with it. So even last week when we were at TGC Canada, they, it was very clear, because I was a plenary speaker, but I was speaking just for women. But at the back, there was a, I, I know who it was, and he was an elder of a church, and he was actually just getting some work done. Yeah. But even him being there made me uncomfortable. Um, but I mean, there was techie guys there and the guys that were filming it. Yeah, from Nailm. Yes. So the guy chose to sit in and listen to your chat. Yes, but you're it teaching wasn't, the I Bible. Wasn't, I wasn't teaching them, I was teaching the women. And I know it's semantics. It's a massively emotive subject right now. And yeah. in all seriousness, online, this will get a lot of views because of this topic. But um, complementarity. What do, you, what do you understand by the word complementarian, Miriam? That men and women complement each other in the roles that they have. But that those roles, those roles are distinctive Correct. and different. Yes. What would you understand it to be? So I would go with the equal yet different. So we are equal as children of God, but we are different because we have different roles to fulfil. What would you understand the word patriarchy to mean then? Mayor. Headship, dominance, dom dominance, maybe. Shabba? Joe, it was a term coined. That's not, that's not correct, but it's what you understand it. So it was a term coined early in um, second phase feminism, used as like. <laughs> second phase feminism. Come on then. I'm going to get wrong now. <laughs> but, um, we use, but how we use it isn't helpful. So we would use that as. Um, so they would say that. The Bible has been um, interpreted by males with their influence and their um, agen their own agenda. Yeah. So therefore, it's a patriarchal, a patriarchal book because it's been interpreted by them, and therefore, it's biased, obviously, towards men. So when I'm talking about patriarchy, I'm talking about those who teach that all positions of leadership yeah. in the church, in that, in their home, and often in the workplace should be filled by men. Yeah, I know. I mean, there are people out there that would feel that any role of leadership, whether it's in government or a seminary or school or even in an office, mm -hmm. um, should only be filled by men. What do you think about that? So, Miriam, would you think that the husband is the head of the home? Yes. So why, why don't you even... <laughs> why am I first hearing about this 20 years in? <laughs> That's not true. Okay. So, um, so if, do you think then that there's no place for a woman to be the boss of some men in a workplace? No, I think that's different. 
Why? I don't have an issue with that. Well, she might be more skilled, better to do the job. What, she's more skilled in the house with the Bible? Some men are idiots. That's true. A lot of women have but top notch. But I think the Bible on that, on the home and the church is very clear. So should a woman submit to an idiot in the home who's not teaching her the Bible, pointing her to Jesus, and basically being a moron? If he's not a believer, or if he's a believer. say he's a believer. We know a lot of them. I think she has to, yeah. How do you submit to a, an idiot? You pray a lot. <laughs> God will change him. You sound like you're speaking from experience. <laughs> but I don't think there's That's any... That's a trite answer. I don't, I don't, I, I don't think there's any way around... There's no... There's no little caveat or little yeah, footnote Shabba, what do you think says, about that? I know you're a single woman, but what do you think about... <laughs> You're pastoring it, counselling it, a lassie. She's obviously married this so, guy. He's a believer, but he's obviously yeah. not up to much. But, I mean, it's not up to much now, right? And so I have this conversation all the time. So my first question would be, like, not only why, why is he not leading, but is she even allowing him to lead? And, like, when he has tried to lead, um, what has her response been? So, I mean, if she's hacked his legs off because he didn't do it, like, right first time, we have this idea that suddenly when you become Christians as men, you ultimately become like great leaders overnight. Like, praise the Lord if that happens. Being like, a lucky girl, Miriam, right? <laughs> <laughs> but I think that as mature Christian women, some of our responsibility is also to te help facilitate and um, help younger guys learn how to lead. And isn't facilitate just another word for manipulate? No. Okay. Nice try though. No, I'm, fascinated. I think I'm, I'm fascinated by this because I just, doesn't it sound a little bit 1950s? It does. It does. And it's, I'm not saying that it's easy, but biblically, that's all you've got. But I think you need to know the context, don't you? So it might yep. be that, the, like Shabba's saying, that the guy has maybe only been a Christian six months or a year or maybe even five years, but maybe he's never had a model, maybe nobody's ever challenged him about how he's supposed to be stepping up and leading. So there's all different sort of contexts, isn't there, that you need to know. Right then. What the wife might be a nightmare and she might need it. What about the, the charge that complementarity leads to men abusing women? I think that if we're being really honest and having a conversation that nobody wants to have, there are times when that's happened. Like, I mean, that's like saying... You, you but do you think their theological position leads no. them to abuse women? Or do you think that's no, an I excuse? No, I just think because they're planks and it's an excuse. So by the def same definition then, would we say egalitarian theology leads women to abuse men? I think that um, if someone's a bad leader and whether they're male or female and has their own character, then whatever theological stance they take, there's, there's times when they're overstep the line. You think our position here is oppressive to women? I think you oppress me on a daily yeah, basis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Like a good look on camera, folks. Look at these two browbeating women. I actually find it frustrating because I like I'm so tired of women telling me because it is usually women. Actually, to be fair, some guys as well. That um, from a I have more voice now, like more voice now. Um, more, um, I am heard better now, um, and have more freedom um, in the, the the setting that we take. Being in a in a 
complementarian church with good elders that trust us as women, but also are trustworthy. Then I had, when we were in a egalitarian church setting where um, people would pat me on the knee and go, what Sharon really means to say is. So I, I find it disheartening that like people assume um, what we're like. I mean, it, it frustrates me. I want to say to them, well, how many women are you teaching, for, training for ministry? Because I think you'll find we're training a lot. And how much, like, we have an open voice that's actually heard. It's not tokenistic or, um, or like, we're not browbeaten. Like, there's the, I mean, the majority of our women are very strong. Um, Salty, right, Miriam? <laughs> can be, yeah. Some of them can be. Um, <laughs> we're, we're not shy in coming forward. And so what's like, a healthy relationship then? So, because um, some of the, sometimes uh, the pushback I get from when I say is, well, our women pastor our women. The pushback I get is, well, the elders should be pastoring your women, oh, not, so I, not women. And, and it's I like, think, mm, we don't have to yeah. split the two. I think it's the semantics in words. It's how they understand the word pastor. We got yeah. in that, that in the early days. So yeah. our, our women care for our women pastorally. Yeah. Right, but they're under the. But the elders were too, right? Absolutely, and then some, and it's all under the submission of our, our our elders. So there's no breaking off and doing our own things. There's a conduit back to and from the elders on a regular basis. Um, we the way that our framework is set up, it's, it's we're all accountable as not only just church members, but in the position that the elders have given us to, like, to act that out. So yeah, the, I mean that the. the, the our elders are our, our pastor elders. They pastor us, they instruct us, they're the ones that um, direct where we go. And But we don't, um, it's, it's not like we just follow like sheep. If we have a really good idea or we think that something would be, we're not happy with something, there is a space for us to come to the elder and go, actually, this is this is how we feel and this is what we think. And so sometimes you listen. Well, we elders. pretend to. We're really good at it, aren't we? <laughs> but sometimes it actually makes a difference. Like you, as a great score, well done. Sorry, so sometimes we say Thank something. Thank you for affirming me. I appreciate that. <laughs> Shame it doesn't work two ways. Um, so sometimes, like when we say stuff, um, you guys go, actually, that's a really good point. We should have thought about that. And you, as elders, changed what, what you were going to do. And then other times you say, actually, I've heard what you say, but you don't have the full picture and we just ask you to trust us. And it's much easier to do that when there's that foundation of that the, as elders you've heard us and been trustworthy in the past. What advice would you give to a woman, a Christian lady in a church, who's currently in an abusive relationship, her husband is a member of a church, maybe he's even an officer of the church, yeah. and she feels like the good old boys club wouldn't listen to her? Yeah, that makes me really sad because it's actually probably true. And from our context is all you can talk about. So if there was a woman that was in an abusive relationship, um, and in our context, it's more likely to be the other way around as well. Um, we would we would speak to our elders and our like. What if the problem is the elders? Um, I get a lot of sort of um, pushback on not pushback, but a lot of contact on social media, and this seems to be a really big problem. Yeah, it at makes least, me very sad. At least in the US. So when we were away last week, one of them, somebody told me about a story about a woman that had been um, abused by um, her husband and she'd gone to the elders and they went, well, we just don't believe you because there's no signs and told her and instructed her to go home to her husband and submit, who then beat her up and put her in hospital. Um, 
When Let me just stop you at that story. Should those elders, at that point, then all resign? Don't really want to speak about anybody else's elders. Well, well, it's a it's a theoretical scenario. You kept Miriam came to you and said, "Mez is knocking me about," and you took it to the elders, and the elders yeah. said, "No, I'm not having it. Mez is a good guy." Yeah. Blah blah blah. But it turns out knocking her about, she ends up in hospital. Yeah. Should all those uh, should all of our elders go? I think that um, we would take it to our congregation, and our congregation would have to make that decision because we were told you account you, for that. Do you think they they would? I think that our membership would probably hold our elders accountable for I, that. I think they should go. Yeah. I think we, we, we're called to shepherd the flock. Yeah. And if we can't shepherd the flock, we've but, got no place being shepherds. Yeah. But So my caution in all of that is that we'd need to do it right. I understand ecclesiology yeah. and how that functions, but it's just... I know. You know I'm I just think aware that... I think there's women out there that think they think when they hear the, the thing complementarian, they think that protecting the status to, quo yeah. and keeping He's, women under the heel... It's, it's not, I mean, that's abuse. Abuse is not, like, so abuse and domination and all those things, a guy just getting, that's not leading. What about a man being abused? It's also very difficult. I, mean, I think sometimes, um, I, I don't mean to say that there's ever a situation that's uh, worse than another, but I actually think that there are men who are being abused in our congregations and they don't come forward because they're ashamed too, more so than a, a woman, because even though it's still not readily acceptable in a context for a woman to come forward, I think it's even less for a man too. And so it's difficult when, um, for his own safety, it might be better for him for a short period of time to be out of the house, um, while they look at how you can restore that marriage and that she can have some help and deal with some of her issues. But yeah, I think that, um, so for us, we, we see it not on a regular basis, but yeah, there have been women who have been the, the abusers and been violent towards her husband. Mm -hmm. In a scheme context, that's a bit weird because like, she's allowed to do whatever she likes to him, but the minute he lifts his hands to her, then he's the abomination. It seems a bit twisted. But yeah, we have women who, um, and we would do one-to-one -one and we would look at how you um, deal, help her through her issues while she look how she then, um, gets alongside and loves her husband the way that she, she should, because clearly beating him is not the right way. Miriam, do pastors... Hiya. Hi. Why you look so nervous, my love? <laughs> Just waiting for the question. I'm, I'm, I'm being behaved for that five minutes. Mm -hmm. um, Still does into a false sense of security. No, it's a serious question. Do, um, I've lost my train of thought now. What was I going to ask you, Miriam? Do pastors. Do pastors is where you started. Do pastors or church planters' wives always make the best pastoral, female pastoral workers or leaders? No, not necessarily. You base that like on your own skill set? Yes. <laughs> yeah, you've got to look, just because they're married to a pastor doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be the women's pastor. But it happens worker. a lot, doesn't it? It does happen, and I wonder whether a lot of the time it just happens by default rather than the woman actually being the gifted in that area or the best woman to do it. But also everybody's circumstances are different. Sometimes the wife has to work because the past, because her husband doesn't earn enough money or the church can't afford to pay him. So then the woman, the wife has to go out to work. And so, yeah, or I don't know, she's looking after elderly. I think it's laziness as well in some churches. What do you mean? What do you mean like a buy one, get one free? Well, it's just like, yeah, well, you know... He's the I pastor and his missus, she can do, she can lead the toddlers group and yeah. this and that. And 
Yeah, I think so. I think people. I think often churches don't think it, think it through, and they just assume. So maybe the previous pastor's wife did all that stuff, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the new one needs to do that. Often, if it's church planting, there's no choice because it's oh, the planter and the that. wife, and that's it. So you have to. But where possible, if you're not gifted, I don't think you should be doing it. Mm. Or have a there's a cultural expectation though. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you another question. Because we it. have a particular rule in our eldership, which I tend to stick to, is how much of the content of our elders' meetings do I discuss with you? That hardly anything, unless I you think I need to know for some reason. So it's about one of the women I'm meeting with, or something like that. Yeah. Or sometimes you might ask a question just to get my perspective, but generally I would say it's probably 1%, I assume, of what's discussed. I think that's healthy or unhealthy? I think, for me, I think it's healthy. I don't know if you find it healthy, but because if I knew all the stuff you know, it would change my opinion on people in the church. So yeah. I would prefer not to know. And also, it guards me. So if people want to find out information, I can honestly say, I don't know what you're talking about. So I think that's helpful. And then I just point them back to, if you want to know, go and speak to the elders. And we did this practice because very early on in my first few couple of churches, it became very clear very quickly Elders' wives were a major source of tension in churches and a major source of leakage of personal pastoral information. And so we don't, we don't do it. Although some of my guys, not my guys, some pastors say, aren't you withholding something from your wife there when you should be completely and totally transparent? What do you think about that, Gemma? Um, I think I would agree with Miriam, actually. I think that it's... I mean, you've been appointed to an office for by your congregation for a reason she hasn't been. I mean, there's that as well. But also I think in some of you, the, I think it does provide a protection for your wife um, as congregational members trying to weedle out information or, and they learn really quickly that you just don't know anything so they don't ask. Mm -hmm. um, it also means that the wife then knows people who want to be her friends are really being her friends, mm -hmm. not just because they think they've got some sort of conduit yeah. to the elder. And so I would probably I, I agree with um, I would agree with Miriam. I can understand um, I can I, yeah I can understand them thinking that I'm holding some withholding something from my wife, but actually I, I don't think it. Mm -hmm. I don't, yeah, I don't. Feel I don't it think legs. it's helpful because it's yeah. it breaks confidentiality, doesn't it as well? So I I mean sometimes you will maybe generally share oh this person's struggling. You might want to drop them a text or see if they're all right, but you don't necessarily give me all the nitty gritty details. So, somebody called Beth Moore is big news at, at the moment. Apparently so. Getting lots of hassle. I, I actually, in um, American Pastor, did, did, did he ring me mm -hmm. to ask me about Beth Moore? Mm -hmm. Like, wouldn't that, we don't have a clue she is here. Although I would say that a high majority of American female applicants who apply to us would put her down as an influence. So, Beth Moore, yay, nay, what, what do you know, good, She's bad? She's not on our reading list, but like you say, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of, uh, particularly, uh, 
certain part of America that we reduce our Bible study material. So a lot of women have been, um, a lot of women have used her material and have found it very beneficial. But we do. So I've got friends who say she's out there. She's a whack job, and I've got friends who say she's a good, she's a godly woman. Maybe a, not to everybody's taste, but you're not really. I've never read any. Anymore. I don't know anything about her, so I don't want to comment. Um, there's occasional things that I've seen that made me uncomfortable, and I've gone with po people that I can be far more secure in. What things? I can't remember, to be fair. I looked at mm. her in very early days, and I can't even remember if it was just her style, which it might have been. Um, but She's I very haven't... sort of American, obviously, isn't she? She's very, I've seen some of her stuff, she's very like sort of perfect teeth, and I mean, I have a lot of no teeth, and rough as you come, she's quite an elegant sort of, she just wouldn't speak to our audience, right? Um, and it, that could be why in the early days when I looked at her, I didn't didn't go down that route. But I have, like, I've, I don't know enough to, to make an opinion. I'll see some of this if I can see how she would speak to sort of the general middle class it's, ha American housewife. Yeah, I was, was going to say Bible bit America. Yeah, so, yeah exactly basically. that. I think that's, that's fine. And so, I mean, and, so, and a lot of people that we have met that have come on our trips um, have loved her. Mm -hmm. um, but she's just not been... A, a, a name that we've actually used. So we no. haven't... In the same way or... as none of the lads in here would know who John Piper is mm -hmm. or, yeah. or or anyone, really. They don't know John McCaffrey. They don't know any of these so-called well, big names, Not right? until you introduce them. Yeah, but you wouldn't walk around and go, oh, yeah, there's, they're an influence on my life and yeah. mm -hmm. I'm looking at their stuff. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Top three books on women's ministry you've ever read? Um, I Both of you. I really like Gloria Furman's Word-Filled Ministry. Is that the right title? Um, she, again, uses there's, uh, there's different voices. And even though if you're looking at something, it's not a very practical book. That doesn't mean that it's not good or useful because what she's trying to do is do a bigger picture, um, like overview. Word-Filled Ministry? Yeah. Okay. And she did, was it there's with somebody else as well. There's Gloria yeah, and there's, there's another a, name. There's a few different writers. And there's a, is it Susan Hunt? It might be maybe? Susan Hunt. There's a chapter in there that um, is this conversation between a, a, a younger believer and a more mature believer where they're basically writing letters to each other about, like, I asked women to step up and tight us to me and nobody did. And so some of the subjects that she talks about are, again, it's more big picture stuff, it was, but it's really good. Um, the Ligon Duncan yeah. one Women's Ministry Win in a Local Church yeah. He's written that with Susan, Susan Hunt, Hunt which is good yeah. as well. And she does one called Spiritual Mothering um, which is supposed to be a Titus 2 type relationship that's quite good And also. now, unexceptional Yeah, That's in there mm -hmm. At least you got the title right this time, I read well it this done. time. Tell me about the training that you do, I'm just trying to think of there's some women out there, a lot of them are going to be in churches where they, 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 there's, nothing, there's nothing happening. They want to learn more, they want to think about women's ministry in a, in a biblical way. Um, I know we offer, you know, offer some different types of training. Why don't you talk about that and it can be found on Equip, yeah. on your website, right? So there's two different types of training. So the first type of training is for women who are in ministry and have been asked by their elder to think about this role. And so in our, in our context at 20 Schemes, we would do that through the Ragged School of Theology and it would be an elective there. Um, and so we teach that. And then what we also do is that we do that as a distance learning course. 
And so it is a very specific window. It is for women who've just been asked and have to have an, an elder's recommendation. Mm -hmm. So it's not for people who just want to learn about women's ministry, like separate from the mm -hmm. church or their elders. Um, and it's a, it's a year long course. They do distance wise, they do over um, they do two lectures a, a month and then they do a Zoom call where they've got a mentor that works with them helps them think through their women's ministry plan and comes up with the idea is that at the end of it, they've got a foundation and have thought practically, but they've got a, a draft of a plan to take to their elders to say, this is what I've thought about. You asked me to think about it. Here's the first step and then to work through it with them. And then um, what happened was that we started getting a lot of women who are just in the congregation, church members saying, how can I do this training? And it's not meant for them. Um, but it is because it's about how we get alongside women well. And so we've created one, I think is called Titus 2, being a Titus 2 woman, that okay. is thinking through how we can basically um, be a good church member and model Titus 2 in action. And so it's on the, it'll be on the Equip website, the 20 Schemes Equip website in January. And it's a 10-part okay. course. Where free? They, it's not free. They have to pay for it. Um, it's not very expensive. I can't remember how much it is. But the idea is that you pay for an hour, you, you listen to the, um, it's, a, it's about a 40 minute to, to 50 minute lecture. And um, there's a little bit of stuff for you to do afterwards and there's 10 lectures in that. And so anybody can, any church member can sign up to that um, okay. and, and take that course. So, so it's, it's very John, different. John, how long are we going? Oh, I'm going to wrap it up then. Yeah. Okay. Is that, is that the courses? Yeah, two courses. Oh, and we, we also do a ministry-wide, yeah. you tell them about that one. Yeah, so we just started doing a ministry-wide course as well. Again, it's distance learning, and that is going to run for four months. Um, so again, it's two podcasts that they listen to and then a Zoom call to talk about the, the and podcast. And when will that be available? It's available now, so I've just, I've just started with the first group, but I guess we'll probably run it two or three times a year. I think we're going to run it, um, all our distance courses, September. Uh, and because the women's ones are year long, we'll go to the, the end of the, the year. But I think that in the, the year, we'll do one in September and one in January for the Ministry Wives one. Okay, so listen, get yourselves on to www.20schemesequip.com. You're going to find out loads of stuff there. You can, there'll be a search bar. You can search historic articles that we've written, book reviews that have been written for women. You'll find the women on the, the banner. There'll be a drop-down bar. You'll find resources, uh, books. Uh, future podcasts, events, all these things now are in one place. So get yourself on there and find out more about women's ministry, what it is, how to understand it, and maybe how you can get trained yourself or, or support the ministry. And or I suppose you could also email women at 20schemes.com if, yeah, if you want specific, um, if you've got specific questions that you want answered. Well done girls, you did really well. <laughs> you sat still nicely. Thanks, Mez. Okay. Do we get a price for that? Spidey. No. no. I'll give you a signed copy of your book. I'll, <laughs> if I sign it, I'll put the value <laughs> to be up fair, by at least. Nobody else is signing it, so wow. that would be. Thank you very much, says John. With these conversations, we're trying to expose some of the issues we experience in our ministries. We hope that with honest and frank conversations, we can begin to open up on some of the hard realities of church planting and revitalisation in schemes and council estates around the UK. In fact, even around the world. In this spirit, these conversations will be published completely uncut.